Welcome to the Don't HR Alone podcast, your daily source for news and updates relevant to the HR profession. We bring you weekly interviews with HR leaders, CEOs, and small business owners, along with our daily updates. Each day, you can tune in for updates by following us on the social media of your choice. We post to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also subscribe by going to don'thralone.com. And our show is on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe as well. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rami Alijil, and welcome to Don't HR Alone, episode number 52. Today, we look into some myths and legends around telecommuting and review a new survey that quantifies return on investment for wellness programs. First up, let's talk telecommuting. In early 2013, Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer changed a policy that rocked the company's happy nerd culture. She banned telecommuting, the popular practice that allow employees to work from home or other remote locations outside of the Yahoo offices. The official Yahoo memo from HR head Jackie Raisa stated that, quote, Speed and quality are often sacrificed when we work from home. We need to be one Yahoo, and that starts with being physically together. Although then less than 2% of the country's 12,000 employees were full-time telecommuters when the memo was published, many had arrangements that allowed them to work from home one or more days a week. In March 2017, just a few months ago, IBM followed suit and rescinded its long-standing policy, work from home, in an, effect, in an effort to foster more collaboration. Is telecommuting now a thing of the past? Did Yahoo kill it and IBM follow? Does it mean an end to collaboration and culture if employees aren't in an office together? No, not necessarily. Numbers don't lie. According to the 2017 State of Telecommuting in the U.S. Employee Workforce Report, telecommuting is on the rise with 115% growth in the past decade. In fact, many well-known companies offer remote jobs, although plenty of sources cite millennials as the driving force behind telecommuting policies. Half of telecommuters are 45 years or older, and most are in management positions. So Yahoo and IBM did not start an in-office-only trend, but employers may be still hesitant to allow telecommuting um, for a variety of reasons. The first myth is productivity. One fear employers may have about allowing employees to telecommute is the fear that employees will be less productive working outside the office. The truth is, study after study finds the opposite is the case. Without the distractions of an office environment, remote workers are actually more efficient and productive and have a lower rate of absenteeism. And without the hassle of a commute, remote workers experience less stress. Busting a myth, job satisfaction. Employers may also have a concern that remote employers won't feel connected to the company and its culture. In fact, one study found that remote employees reported higher morale than in-office workers. With high job satisfaction and regard to their employer's flexibility, remote workers are more likely to stay in their jobs too. With the variety of means available to boost connection and engagement from Skype to social media, it's easier than ever for remote workers to stay connected to their colleagues and collaborate from afar, according to these surveys. Money talks. Both employers and employees save money when employees telecommute. Full-time telecommuters save on average $4,000 per year in commute expenses. Employers, not the employees, according to the 2017 State of Telecommuting in the U.S. Employee Workplace Report, can save over $11,000 per half-time telecommuter per year. And the high job satisfaction rate enjoyed by telecommuters means less employee turnover, a huge cost savings to employers. That's the biggest part of that. Great. So what about your company? 
So what does all this money savings and job gratification mean for employers? Well, should all employees institute a telecommuting policy? It, it just completely depends. Companies nationwide are feeling the strain of competing for top talent. If that sounds like your business climate, then redesigning your employees' talent management strategies to attract the smartest and most accomplished employees and then keep that top talent engaged could be in order. And putting a telecommuting policy in place may be just the ticket. In addition to full flex jobs and full-time telecommuting, occasional telecommuting and alternative schedules are other options that can be molded to fit both employees' and companies' needs. Savvy companies are seeing the trend and aligning work processes, systems, and talent management programs to allow for this flexibility. Now, to do this, you got to first make it official. If you're going to allow employees to telecommute sometimes or all of the time, and that feels right for your business, take the time to think through policies and guidelines and publish them for your employees. Some things to consider. Eligibility. Who is or what types of positions are eligible to work a telecommuting schedule? Spell it out. Start small. Schedule. What hours are employees required to work when telecommuting? How will they clock in? How will they let you know they're there? Furniture, equipment, software, and supplies. What will the company provide? Confidentiality. What measure will be put in place to ensure company and customer material are safeguarded? That's huge. And workers' compensation and liability insurance. What is your current company's policy cover? Uh, will it cover personal injuries that occur during a telecommuter's workday? It's really important to check that. Um, if they're telecommuting at home and they slip and fall in their own house, believe it or not, you could be liable. So it's important to check those out. Consider, too, how to end a telecommuting arrangement. Map the process a manager can follow when deciding that business needs or employee performance no longer support a telecommuting schedule for a particular employee or if the employee requests a return to a company or requests or the employee wants to return to the company work locations. How do you map all that out? When Yahoo abruptly ended its telecommuting program, much of the criticism aimed at the company was at the how it was done, not at the why. Thinking through and documenting all the details could prevent headaches down the road. Take you a weekend or less. In fact, if you ever need help with that, you know, we have our HR library available to our clients. You can always contact us. We'd love to share some sample telecommuting policies, all those kind of things. All right, next up, a wellness programs have been found to boost employee, I'm sorry, uh, a well, wellness programs have been found to boost employees' wellness and productivity is a new survey from UCLA Anderson School of Management. Nearly 90% of companies in the United States use some form of employee wellness programs now. That blows me away. From gym memberships to health screenings to flu shots, all are designed to improve health. But how do these wellness programs affect everyday employee productivity? Is it possible to do a job better as a result of feeling better on the job? A study by Olin Business School, UCLA Anderson School of Management, and University of California at Riverside, forthcoming in the Journal of Management Science, empirically tested how wellness programs affect worker productivity. The research paired individual medical data from employees taking part in a work-based wellness program to their productivity rates over time. As notice, noticed in a, in a recent write-up of the research in the Wall Street Journal, it's been really hard for researchers to link daily employee productivity data to comprehensive measures of employee health and whether or how uh, these measures changed after introduction of a wellness program. You need a long-term data set. 
when you give people the tools and the opportunity to be physically and mentally better, it's not just that they're more likely to be at work, said Lamar Pierce, professor of organization and strategy at Olin Business School. These employees are also more likely to be productive. Pierce and his co-authors, uh, Timothy Gubler, assistant professor at, of management at University of California, Riverside, and Ian Larkin, assistant professor of strategy at UCLA Anderson School of Management, used data from an industrial laundry company that provided a free, voluntary wellness program each year to its employees. They matched a three-year panel of medical data for 111 employees with their work performances, which were accurately measured by the number of pieces or tasks completed in a factory setting. This is awesome, guys. Already, I'm just, I'm just blown away because it's so hard to measure productivity, right? You need a piecework environment like this. The research all, researchers also used self-reported data from the employees, as well as evaluations from physicians who examined each employee's medical progress as the program continued. All information was kept confidential, anonymous, and outside the company. We were able to compile comprehensive data on employee health spanning 42 separate blood tests and a detailed survey of health and lifestyle habits. Uh, habits, Gubler said. Then we were able to link the data and how much it changed after the wellness program to daily productivity records for the employees. The ability to link such detailed health data to records of employee productivity was unprecedented. The researchers compared data for employees that participated in the health plan to the employees at a different plant from the same company who weren't offered the wellness program. The results were striking and significant. The researchers found wellness programs boosted health and productivity. Participating employees' productivity jumped by between 6 and 11% compared to those who didn't participate in the program, with the largest gains for those who improved their health. When further quantified, the figure equaled a 76% return on investment for the company after introducing its wellness program. Quote, companies have traditionally focused on the reduction in absenteeism and insurance rates when calculating the ROI of these programs, like Larkin said. Our research suggests that a reduction in presenteeism, showing up to work with low energy and therefore lower levels of productivity, may be the primary benefit of these programs. The longest lasting productivity gains came from employees who improved their lifestyle habits. In fact, even healthy employees who were spurred to adopt the he healthier diet, exercise more, or reduce stress via the wellness program exhibited strong growth in daily productivity. The authors offer a caveat to companies that might be interested in putting an employee wellness program into place and practice. There are definite factors that can make or break the program and the resulting ROI. Employee buy-in is a must. Quote, the company we studied didn't try to force people into doing this. They respected their privacy, and they have a long relationship and tradition of treating their employees with respect and maintaining that trust, said Pierce. So it's not a panacea. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to just fix everything. But I do want to point out, ladies and gentlemen, this is a... I love the study because of its its analysis and its its really good numbers, but I want to throw out there, for those of you who run a, an architecture studio or or, a, or agency, a nonprofit, an insurance shop or a payroll shop like me, we don't necessarily have widgets, right? Or in this case, clean clothes that we can measure productivity with. Health and wellness is such a higher bar for us. It's the difference between that great idea and not not just getting one more piece of work. If our people were 6 to 11% more productive, it's not just that they produce 6 to 11% more HR forms, it's that they're 6 to 11% better. And maybe more than that, right? This was a physical measurement. What is really the capacity to just expand if you're feeling better and doing a better job? So ladies and gentlemen, wellness program. I love this study. I think it's so great. Look it up, UCLA Anderson School of Management. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is Don't HR Alone number 52. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I hope this was helpful for you. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Comment, like, share. Let us know what's going on. We want to help you in your organization. Thank you again. Go out there, have a wonderful day, and get your work done.